Lesser Light by Matthew Draper. Chapter 2 Dylan and I had met early in the process. He was waiting to interview at the same time as me, and while I was sitting in petrified silence, he was bouncing from position to position in his seat. We had both been to a Sunday service at St Michael's after coming to the city of Sheffield, he arriving for his final year of uni. Having changed universities and courses so many times, he wasn't even sure it was his last year at all. And I for work having transferred to a city branch for, what's the opposite of moving to the country for fresh air? Dirty streets? Some dirty streets, after having almost a complete breakdown around coming out to my family. The front aspect of St Michael's, the apostrophe is intentionally left off on all their branding, is a traditional stone-built church with bell tower, trees needing urgent attention from a surgeon and tombstones rising from the ground. In almost direct opposition, the inside of the church has been, they call it reordered, transformed into a gorgeous open space, with a couple of original furnishings ignored in the corners and everything else new, gifted and paid for. There was deep pile carpet, stackable chairs, and a projector screen which is cranked down from the ceiling to conceal the stained glass iconic imagery of Jesus, Gabriel, and, naturally, St. Michael on the mountain. The bright glow of God the Father reaching towards Jesus' uplifted face while Gabriel and Michael look on. Replacing a stunning piece of art with the plain white of a projector screen was a bold move, but certainly worth it once the band started playing and song lyrics were projected with spiralling colours and shapes pulsating behind the plain font of simplistic verses and spine tingling choruses. An overproduced video countdown which zoomed in on door knocker numbers around the city dropping from 50 to zero announced the enthusiastic arrival of Morgan on the stage, Alter. His lean frame was uniformed in a denim shirt, cuffs turned up once, double denim matched with jeans and finished with a blazer in navy blue to which the radio mic was pinned. Welcome to St Michael's! it would turn out to be named, ironically, all things considered. Dylan and I were hunted by greeters after the service. They were trained to spot and zone in on newcomers with pinpoint accuracy. Zombies with the scent of brains. We were given invites to dinner after the next service. You must meet this person. Have you followed us on Instagram? We need to get you plugged into a small group. Dylan had winked at me over the increasingly large group of friendly faces. I must have looked terrified, but my heart leapt at the sight of him. He was freckled, wore a Hawaiian shirt and yellow shorts, and had a silver chain of dog tags at the intersection of shirt buttons and skin. He seemed at ease in any crowd. I was equal parts terrified and relieved to find him seated, knees jiggling, opposite me at the small group interviews a few days later where a church leader would grill you and assign a Bible study group to match your skill sets, personality or theology. I had been signed up for this session before I even knew what I was agreeing to by Lizzie, 
who had attended St. Michael's for ever and knew the drill. "'I hope you get it,' Dylan whispered conspiringly, perched on the edge of his seat, leaning towards me. "'What?' I was surprised when he spoke. I had been quietly watching him, slack-jawed, from under my fringe for the last twenty minutes, while the guy ahead of us was being chatted to within Malcolm's office. "'The role!' he said, as if we were in an audition. "'I hope you get it.' I could imagine him on stage, playing a knight or holding a skull above his head, reciting Shakespeare in an excited chatter. I had been feeling nervous about how I might be perceived by the church team, but Dylan's comment disarmed me. Being saved as a Christian wasn't a role for me at the time. It was an identity, a personality, as true to me as being gay or tall or a complete geek for researching the history of every town I visited. I feared an interview might invalidate where I was at right now with my faith and sexuality. I should not have worried. St. Michael's was a very inclusive, almost exclusive in their inclusivity. Being a gay Christian made me a star performer right away. Being a smoker did not have the same effect for Dylan, but nonetheless, we both were assigned the same small group, Skygazers, and wound up spending more and more time together. It soon became clear that Dylan would chase any girl who crossed his path, though he had also kissed a couple of guys in college, so I heard. We were not going to date, because I was far too awkward to ask him out, and he seemed oblivious to my attraction and so we fell into an intense friendship instead. Harry! I swerved back into the right lane with rain pelting on the windscreen, Dylan having yelped from the passenger seat as my mind was pulled back from where it felt it belonged, at St. Michael's in the past. A truck rocked by us, raising a flood of spray across my red Nissan car. The wipers went to work, interrupting the glare of passing cars on the opposite side of the motorway. You know I'm a good driver, I insisted, shaking myself to the present with a wiggle of my shoulders against the driver's seat. I know you are good, and you are driving two totally different things. Dylan's feet were propped up as he sat slouched low on the passenger side. Dylan had brought pick-and-mix sweets for the journey home. I was still stuffed from the chicken supreme, served with mushrooms, bacon and cream sauce, followed by mounds of profiteroles lashed with chocolate but Dylan was topping up on sugar. "'Do you think it's weird people don't remember?' I asked, formulating the growing sense of unease I had felt creeping through me ever since speaking to Lizzie earlier in the evening. "'People do not want to remember,' Dylan corrected. "'Did you see the way Morgan was watching you the entire time? Like you're a bomb and he's one of those robots sent out to defuse unexploded devices.' Except it looks like he fell into a lake and got electrocuted instead. The man is frazzled. He's definitely changed. His jacket was tweed and he had patches on the sleeves. Is he a farmer now? I wonder why he came, if he's still so scared of us. Because we know what happened. Dylan fell silent for a beat. An eternity for him. I'm telling you, Morgan is one of those disposal robots. He had to be there to check where all the bombs are now. I think most of the fuses fizzled out a long time ago, to be honest. Maybe only yours is left, has a man. I dunno. Sebastian still has his number for sure. Sebastian is full of shit. He thinks he has everything tied up in a neat bow, but it's never that clean. 
Dylan placed his hands together in an upward-pointed prayer motion and sat up straight. The reflective glow of headlights formed a halo above his head in the windscreen. You two canoodling out here, he intoned. Not a bad impression of the saintly Sebastian. That goody-goody was the only one of us who had gone on to study theology, leaving St. Michael's, obviously, but still plugged into the system in a way the rest of us were not. I wonder if I would have still lost my powers if I had followed his route instead of my own. Or maybe I still had them. It's just I never practice. For a moment, I wondered whether me and Dylan would get a chance over the wedding weekend to pass the spirit from one to the other, maybe turn on a music CD from the past and see if it takes us anywhere, the way it used to. I bet he will not want to, but maybe he can be persuaded. Wasn't it fun? It was fun, right? Before. I remembered the way others in our group had envied the connection Dylan and I carried at St. Michael's. The energy we called the Holy Spirit practically crackled between us when we were in the same line, or more powerfully, opposite each other. Our small group divided into two rows, facing one another, with our hands outstretched to almost touch in the centre above our heads, forming an aisle through which we all passed one by one, breaking off from the end of the row to walk or run back through while the spirit fell between us. Dylan and I had the ability to just look at each other, be knocked back as if hit by an invisible force. A ball of power could burst from our wrists or eyes and knock us clean across the room, battering each other back till we fell about laughing on the floor, bent double, cackling till we couldn't breathe. Well, that's how I remembered it. I felt my stomach flip at the memory and stole a glance off of the road towards Dylan. He was illuminated by the glow of his mobile phone. My chin suddenly tucked itself in towards my neck, jolting my whole head forward in an involuntary motion. A hiss rushed out of my lungs through my teeth. Bless you, Dylan said without looking up, as though I had sneezed. My boyfriend often said the same thing. Bless you, when I saw a crucifix and my lungs crumpled, air escaping in a whoosh. I turned the indicators on and pulled off the motorway. Almost home. Almost back to my boyfriend and our puffy grey cat called Scrumples. Lesser Light is an online event. Head to lesserlight.blog to join in the comments section or share this story on Facebook, Twitter, Hive or your favourite social media platform. The Lesser Light paperback is available from lulu.com or other booksellers or you can download the ebook now. But remember, no spoilers until New Year's Day. The story is fictional, but if the elements about trauma, cults or recovery have affected you, you can find helplines at lesserlight.blog.